Welcome back to When Autumn Comes, Diane. Diane is our guest again today. I'm very excited to have you here. I am really excited. We're covering a lot of ground today. Yeah, but people don't know that this was all done in one day. So welcome back. We can only find two hours to hang out and we cram everything in. Hi, I'm Susan, and this is When Autumn Comes. Look, sometimes life just looks a little different than we thought it would. This is a podcast for mamas and the people who love them, whose lives were flipped upside down as a doctor looked into her eyes and explained our child's prognosis. Or for the caregivers who get very little sleep as they face symptoms and behaviors that just aren't typical for other children. This is a place where we can take on this journey together because we know that this can be a sad, lonely, misunderstood path. But we also know that as the darker days and colder temperatures begin to appear, so do the golden leaves and beautiful sunsets of autumn. We know that life comes in seasons. We know that in our world, 24 hours can hold so much change that it can feel like four seasons in one day. We are here to help you share your story, let you laugh, let you cry, help you learn and help you grow together with other mothers when autumn comes. What Autumn Comes podcast is a program of the Apricity Hope Project, a nonprofit organization created to empower, encourage, and restore caregivers of medically complex and special needs children. You can learn more about our project at apricityhope.org. So one of the things we wanted to talk about, because I'm in a weird place with my identity and you have been through a lot in the last year of, you know, Sayla's journey and your other kids doing all the things that, I mean, your family is very busy. So how do we differentiate our, like, what's your identity look like? Are you because of your kids? Are your kids part of your identity? Like, I've just been really struggling with this lately. Yeah, I think that for me, sometimes I think it's compartmentalized. Sometimes I just feel like I'm a, a, a little bit of a robot. You just do. Like, yeah. what's the next thing I have to do? I just do, I just do, I just do. Sometimes I stop and think, what do I want to do after my children don't take up so much of my time? But in that, I know like, when we were talking about, you know, the content for this, it was, should your identity be that of a special needs mom or should your child's disability be your identity? Be part of your identity, yeah. And I think it, how can it not be? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, should it be your whole identity? Potentially not. But for, you know, when I, th I think about how your life has unfolded, mm -hmm. you are a mom of two disabled children. You don't know motherhood any other way. So I know I was made to be a mom. And that's what I'm probably most proud of in my life. And so that is my identity until I have to pivot and start serving in a different way in this world when they go to college or whatever. But I don't know what, how it can't, can't be personally. But I know for us, too, something I struggle with is how much of it is my kid's identity. You know, like when we're filling out applications for things, you know, Caleb just got invited to be a part of this program. And, you know, why would I be a good candidate? Well, you have a different worldview because you have a disabled sister. 
And I don't know if he always wants to relay that, you know, like, I don't think that they always want her to be a part of their identity. And so that just kind of got me thinking a lot about how much do you put on this? Because it's a reality, right? Yeah. Well, and like, I've been doing talks and stuff for different things. I did a TEDx last year, which we should dive into at some point, but I did a TEDx and I'm speaking for an organization next week and I'm going in front of a very large community very soon to propose our nonprofit. And I said to our president, I was like, I mean, if I tell my story, like it'll win them over. And she's like, I mean, I was like, part of my story, part of my identity is what I have not overcome, but like what we face as humans. Mm-hmm. And there's a shock factor to what you've had to endure in your life as a mom. And that alone has made me who I am right mm-hmm. now. And and how do you separate that? Like, that's where I think it is part of your identity. Unless we define identity in some different way than we think it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so part of the reason this came up as the topic today was because I'm taking a art your grief class. And one of the prompts was to create a self-portrait. and use pieces of who you are now and create some sort of self-portrait. And that could be like with magazine clippings, a collage, it could be painting, it could be anything. And I like sat there thinking, I know we only have like 20 minutes to put something together, but I don't know who I am right now. And I feel like my identity right now too, like, you know, I think we form our identity also with the community we can associate with. And I feel like I'm stuck in a place where I'm not a bereaved parent. Well, I am a bereaved parent, but it also a disabled mom parent. I'm like, there's not many people or families that are going through what I've been through. And so I don't feel like I completely fit in with the bereavement community. And I don't feel like I completely fit in with the disabled community. And I'm, like, at a weird place. Like, I don't know who I am. And then last year, I allowed myself to find more of myself, I think, for the first time in a very long time. I booked a flight with one week's notice and went to Norway. And it was, like, the first time in a very long time that I was, like, this part of me still exists. And I like her. like. I have not hung out with that version of myself in a very long time. And it was kind of like, it kind of lit a fire for me that I know after Benji passes, like, I don't know what exactly I'm going to do, but right now I want to buy a camper van and just go. And I don't know. I feel like our identity is constantly fluid with all of this. Mm -hmm. And right now I just don't know who I am. Well, and do you think, I don't know if any of this will make sense as I'm talking through it, but, you know, I'm really, Nora's in the fourth grade, and I don't know if you, what your experience was like in the fourth grade, but the girl stuff starts, and the, who are my friends, and so-and-so is nice, and so we've been talking a lot about identity, and the only thing that I can, I feel like I can, how to talk her through this is like almost 
you know, we have an identity. So hold on. This is going to be very Christian. But you have an identity in God, right? Like, who does he say you are? You're worthy. You're beloved. You are his. You are beautiful. You are, you know, valuable. So I think if, like, I I feel like I separate who am I truly? Mm-hmm. And that's, it. like, who does Jesus say I am? Who does God say I am? Who Who am I? And then where's my identity on this earth? Where do I belong? Where do I fit in? And I feel like I have floundered a lot with that, like whether it's as a young kid, whether it's, you know, as an adult in this special needs parenting, we literally don't fit in anywhere because we don't know, you know, and sometimes that's comforting because I don't have to face some things and then sometimes it's not. But I sometimes I wonder, like, what if we were to separate that? Like, who does Mm -hmm. somebody that I believe is higher than me say that I am and say about me? And then also staying grounded and having confidence in myself on this earth all while navigating, like, just the complexities of life. I don't know if that makes any sense, but just kind of relating it back to Nora. I can't fix her problems. I can't because she is constantly bending and changing and learning and growing. I can't nail down who she is and where she should be and who she should hang out with and like her identity on this earth. But if I can like give her confidence of even when you're floundering, you don't know who you are necessarily. Who are you to the person that created you? Mm -hmm. You know, what does your family think of you? And so to me, I don't know if I would say like for me, identity comes from who does God say I am? And then where do I fit in is not necessarily, I don't know if I'd call it my identity. It's more just like, where do I belong right now? Where am I on this earth and how is it bending and flexing? I don't know. Does that make any sense? And I think it does. It does. I think that kind of opens the conversation of is our identity who we associate with? And Mm -hmm. as a mom of two disabled children, I associate with Benji 24 hours a day. So like right now, that's who, Mm -hmm. that's my my crowd (laughs) so like i think it's fair in this journey like i part of my identity in the beginning was that i was a nicu mom and then yes i was a mito mom and i think that bonds are formed throughout all of this that i like how you said like who am i like who am i right now on earth and then who am i to god what does my soul thrive on? And like, that's something that I've been kind of questioning based off of like my trip to Norway. I know that my soul lights up seeing the world and helping people and connecting with people. And so like, I feel like that's still in me. But right now, I'm giving everything to my child. And I don't know. Like, I mean, that's part of my identity. And I kind of feel like they're like two versions of myself. Like, Totally. You know, you have to like put away. So I often will sit with Josh and like dream about what are we going to do when the kids are gone? You know, and mm-hmm. at first it was a scary like, are we going to like each other? Are we going to have the same interests? But, you know, he's like, honey, this is a season of life. Like, this is a phase. We will get through it. And I kind of flipped my vision of it to what if we don't 
have anything that we enjoy together because we've put everything, every ounce of everything into our kids. I've thought about that so much. And like, but you just said what like makes your soul get set on fire and it's traveling and helping people. And not that you're not in a, I don't want to say a terrible season, but a really hard season. Mm -hmm. But like how beautiful that you have a vision of what gives you hope after this season. And I've never really looked at it this way. And so I always got down on myself like, I don't have a hobby. You don't have time for a hobby. Right. Yeah. And like, I want one, you know, and I think, Mm -hmm. well, all these people do this and this and this and this. And I would say, I want to do that. And, you know, like, I want to learn how to make bread. I want to learn just some random things. And I Girl, you couldn't even make donut holes. Don't start with bread. Okay. First of all, I did my first cookie exchange this year baked Christmas cookies for the first time in 38 years. And I actually enjoyed it. And they turned out. (laughs) So maybe, maybe part of your identity one day may be that you are a baker. (laughs) No, I wouldn't go that far, but I want to like, you know, I want to learn to bake bread. But I changed my view from I can't do all of these things to there's a season. And right now, I am in a season of serving my family and serving my kids, and you are in a season of serving Benji and your family and Mm -hmm. really putting your focus on other people. And then there'll be a season that you're like, I didn't lose myself. She just had to be a little dormant for a while. Yeah, I just, I think that so many of us are in the trenches right now. Mm -hmm. And whether you're a mom of typical kids or disabled children, like I feel like my mom friends that have typical healthy kids, they don't know who they are either. Like it's no. not necessarily the disability. It's that you take on the chapter you're in. Mm-hmm. And and you don't you have you're forced to become selfless when you from like the day you conceive your child. You're starting to give up control of everything, of your body, of Mm -hmm. an outcome that you expect. And then you birth this kid, whether they are healthy or not. And with the disabled children, you really are selfless because you're physically giving of yourself and emotionally giving of yourself. And then with your typical children, they're growing up to be able to kind of go against what you, you know, like Sayla, I can say. No, you're going this way. I'm going to pick you up and take you there. My other kids are like, yeah, mom, I'm not doing that. Excuse me? How do I? I can't actually make you do that. You know, I think we're in a season of just like really learning how to like lay our own lives down for other people, which I think is one of the most beautiful gifts of and and representation of love. Mm -hmm. And then how amazing that you're going to be able to go out. You know, I don't want to say after Benji's gone, but when you're in a different season. And your soul, I think, will just be that much more on fire, like ready. I hope so. I don't think it will happen overnight by any means. No. Um, no, no, no. I hope, I really hope that when my priorities change, we, we've said when Benji goes to college, Lorelai's at college right now, or I'm going to send, she's at a boarding Lorelei's school in Switzerland. Stop boarding it. school in Switzerland. So when Benji joins Lorelai in Switzerland, yeah. I like, you know, it's not it's not going to happen overnight. Just like as I'm saying this, just like it didn't 
happen overnight that you and I became decent medical moms. Like, Mm-mm. you know, I don't know about you, but in the beginning I was like, oh, hell no, I can't do this. This is not going to happen. This is not going mm-hmm. to work out. Like, I don't want to do this. You know, I'm guessing it's something like that. I don't know. Okay. This is just, this is going to be a question. And it, yeah. I don't know if it's going to sting. I don't know if it's inappropriate. Do you find the place that you're at, not just today, but in motherhood? Can you look at it yet and say, what a gift? Or are you like, yeah, I, I don't know if I would go there. Yeah. No, I, I absolutely, it, it's a gift with like poop wrapped around it. It's like somebody dropped it on the front porch and lit it on fire. (laughs) It's definitely, it's made me a better human. It's made me understand a community that I didn't know existed or I knew existed, but I didn't know the struggles that people went through. My kids are I mean, Lorelai, Benji's cool. Lorelai was the coolest human being that has ever been on this earth for me. Benji, I love you. Benji is just not <laughs> quite as magical. He is he is a tiny version of my husband. I love my husband. I love Benji. Lorelai was a tiny version of me, and she was magic. I mean, like, Laure, like this wouldn't be happening, you and me, if it wasn't for Lorelai. Like, mm-hmm. there is just everything goes back to how, I mean... If we're going off of the identity here, like my identity now, 100 percent is because of Lorelai, because Mm -hmm. of the connections that have come, because of the opportunities that have come. I wouldn't have given a TEDx. Like, what the hell would I have given a TEDx talk for if I didn't have this? That being said. It is a gift. But to see your child in so much pain, to see what happened to her and to know what's coming for him, I can't fix any part of this gift. Like, my gift showed up semi-broken, and it's still beautiful, but I can't fix it to make it easier for them. It's Mm -hmm. an awful, incurable disease that has taken my daughter and will slowly take my son. And I have to get to a point where... That's just part of, like, I have to compartmentalize that into my identity. I don't know. I don't know if I yeah. answered your question. No, you did. I, you, you totally did. I don't think I was expecting any specific answer. Just you were just expecting a yes or no. You rambled no. for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. More of just a perspective on where you're at at this moment in motherhood of, because I can only imagine that you and people in your shoes, or anybody for that matter, myself, are at some points. I was about to say, let's turn this around, though. But I feel like you have always said from the beginning that Sela is a gift. Mm-hmm. Like, you've said that, but have you felt that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I really have. I have. And it's really interesting. I had a conversation with a client just this week, and I, I didn't really know how to respond. Like, she is, she grew up. Christian, she's had a lot, a lot of heartache in her life. Like she lost her dad at a very young age. She lost two two children. One was stillborn and one at 20 some weeks. She had three daughters and then her husband died when her daughters were in elementary and middle school. So she's just had a very, very heavy and hard hand dealt to her. 
And she was talking about that football player that went into cardiac arrest. And Mm -hmm. she's like, you know, I just don't understand it because, you know, he's saying thank you for all your prayers. And she's like, it kind of annoys me because what? Like the people that have lost people in their lives didn't their prayers weren't good enough. Like they didn't say say enough of them. Enough people didn't love them enough to pray for them. Like I felt like she was just very, I don't know, confused, lost, maybe a little jaded and and mm-hmm. shortchanged feeling. I don't know. And I totally just listened to her. I just was like, I can I can really see how you could feel that way. I had yeah. no idea what to say back to her. The thing I do struggle with is. I feel like Sayla is a gift because I feel like the end result, if if I'm walking through this life, I want my vision to be pointed towards heaven all the time. Like that is all of our end goals. And each of us have a very personal relationship with God. And it's separate from even our kids and our spouse. Like it's hard for me to comprehend, but I know that should come first. My marriage should come second. My children should come third. It's hard to not put my kids on a pedestal and almost idolize them a little bit. And so that's where, like, from more of, like, a divine Christian perspective, it's hard for me to grasp, but I try and hold that there. But then as an earthly mother perspective, I'm like, I should want the best. I should want I should want everything for her. I should want her to talk, and I should want her to walk, and I should fight like hell. And even maybe be a little bit mad about it that she can't. But I just can't. It's hard for me to do that because I think ultimately, like, she is living out everything she's supposed to be doing yeah. between her and her relationship with God. And, like, she chose that. And so I want that for her because I want these worldly things for her. But ultimately, I know in the end, there's going to be no question that she is not going to live this yeah. beautiful life. I feel like now I'm talking in circles. But that's where, like, I can't do anything but think of her life as a gift. And I'm not saying that I will always be in that place, nor am I saying that people that aren't in that place um, think of their journey wrong. Or does that make any sense? (laughs) It does. It does. I, it was a circle, but (laughs) I think that I'm impressed, proud of you for having that perspective like from the beginning that this is a gift and I mean I know you well enough to know that you have bad days too where you're like I want to wring her neck and I don't know if I could think of it as a gift from the beginning I don't know if I even thought of it as a gift or not a gift Mm -hmm. it was more like survival of like what the hell what wait a second what is going on for like a year knowing you too a couple years in, like, a year into knowing you, I know you slipped back into a darker place. And, like, this oh, is not yeah. good right now. And, like, I mean, and I feel like I know from the beginning I was like, I can't do this. This is this is not, like, mm-hmm. she's cute, but this isn't going to work. And try again. Redo. Yeah. <laughs> I also know, too, like, I had postpartum depression and anxiety. And I had a lot of things that prevented me from... I had a lot of trauma from the beginning, and I think survival mode is definitely part of this. And if there's people listening that don't feel like this is a gift, I think it's just part of this journey. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean— You can totally be mad. Yeah. You can totally be mad and feel like, what the hell? This was not 
what I mean, was expected. I do. I have one dead kid and one dying kid. I have my days where I'm like, WTF. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why God thought I could do this. I don't know why I signed up for this. Like, I don't, yeah. you know, like, that being said, my beautiful children signed up for me. And, yep. you know, like... They knew what they were getting into. I apparently knew what I was getting into. And God knew I could handle it, even if I get pissed off and lose my identity. And Mm -hmm. it's, yeah. And I feel like this conversation, though, I feel like this isn't just medical motherhood. I feel like this is in general. This is all motherhood right now because. I mean, I have conversations daily with two of my college friends and, you know, like they go through stuff, too. And it's like, oh, my gosh. And then your identity, too, with like your partner. There are days, Mm -hmm. like you said, when Benji goes to college, like are Mike and I going to have anything in common? Because we've spent a decade right now, seven years. Maybe we'll make it to a decade with Benji. Here's hoping. But like we've we've been doing this for so long like will we have things in common will we like each other when this is over like Mm -hmm. i feel like right now when you said god first relate husband second kids third i'm like right now it's kids first for me like i mean that's just where i'm at oh i think mine has always been kids first a hundred percent and i feel I don't feel terrible. I want my husband to feel loved. And mm-hmm. I know that's the the precise order it should go in. But my kids are num- yeah. number one, you know? Yeah. <laughs> End of the day, I'm like, I don't want anybody to touch me, especially you. I know. <laughs> like, I know. It's I've terrible. been touched all day by a tiny human. I don't want yeah. anybody to touch me. I'm I going know. to bed. And sometimes <laughs> it feels like... You're needed again. And I do think having a disabled child and two typical children, I can see, you know, aside from the bigger kids, bigger problems, Mm -hmm. a whole scenario, they don't need you physically as much. Mm -hmm. When you are physically needed 24-7, year after year after year, and then your poor husband needs you, as do we need our husbands, but... They need you potentially in a physical way or whatever their love language is. You're like, I can't like give any more to anybody else. And I see how it can get a little easier with your older kids when they're like, night, mom, love you. And Mm -hmm. most of the time they now put themselves to bed. And it's just like, oh, then I can see how couples come back together a little bit easier, you know? Well, I just had a conversation. One of my friends recently at like 38 had her first child he is healthy typical etc and yeah i'm way too tired to have a first child right now but like bravo to her and she's made comments to me like i didn't get it i did not understand what you meant when you said you were pumping around the clock i did not understand and then i've had a realization with her having this baby it kind of made me realize that you know that newborn phase is hard because you're literally giving your blood, sweat, and tears and breast Mm -hmm. milk possibly for this human being. 
And talking to her, I'm still doing feeds for Benji every three hours. I'm still changing diapers. I'm still giving baths. I'm still drawing meds. I'm I like it was mm-hmm. a moment of like they say that that newborn phase is really hard. And I've been living a newborn phase for seven years. Yep. And yes. like, I mean, Benji has every the it her talking about pumping. I was like, I can at least take a breath and remember how effing hard that was and how grateful I am that I am not breastfeeding anymore because yes, that was so tough on top of everything else. Yeah. And at least now Benji doesn't physically need me to feed him. But it was kind of that reality of I'm still in this newborn chapter that everybody's still, you know, everybody's showing up for the mom who just had the baby with casseroles and hot dishes, as you call them. And isn't you call them hot dishes or something? Yeah. Oh, we sure do. Casseroles or hot dishes. <laughs> Everybody shows up in that newborn phase because they know that you are tapped out. And talking to her, I was like, oh, my God. Like, my three-and-a-half-year-old has the same needs as your two-month-old. And, and it doesn't go away. Lorelai did, too. Yeah. No, I know. And that was that was it. Like, I thought about it. I was like, what? how would I be right now if she was still here? And I've thought that often. I've I've struggled with, I couldn't do this if she was still here. But, like, what a weird place to be in, too. Does that just rip you apart? Because mm-hmm. you want nothing more than for her to be here, but you're like. Yeah. Yeah. And I just know that I couldn't I couldn't do this with two of them right now. Like, I don't have to have nursing right now because I can manage it myself. I don't have to have help right now because I could manage it alone. But if I had her, we would have, we would have to have support up the wazoo, especially mm-hmm. if I had her still declining. You know, if yeah. I had great Lorelai at her peak and Benji at his peak, but the last year of her life was so, so hard for everyone. And yeah, it's, it's a humbling moment to be like, I went, we went to visit my parents for a week. And I was sitting down there looking at the sunset thinking, there's no way I could just pack up both Benji and Lorelai and do this. So, yeah, I don't know. We've really strayed from the identity thing. But like, well, kind of right. Like, this is our <laughs> life. This is our identity. Yeah, I don't know. I I think humbling is the perfect word for me to describe parenting a disabled child. I think mm-hmm. it brings you down to your knees and it's oh you gotta swallow pride you have to swallow control you have to just give up and surrender so much and it's so humbling and it's so terrifying and it's so sad and sometimes it makes you angry but I mean I think humility is a beautiful gift and so I guess that's what I look like when I say that I've looked at this as a gift it is not a gift of roses Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's a gift of like Mm -hmm. being forced into being a better version of myself, whether I want to or not. And that's when I don't look at 
my daughter suffering or other kids with disabilities suffering. Like it's very hard to look at that and look at that as a gift. But I just see the reward of what this this has forced me to learn. Mm-hmm. So I agree. That's that's it. Well, it's been real. Let's wrap this up. I've been struggling with whether or not I should do on episodes that I end with. Like, should I do the this is Suze and I'm going to go do whatever when I'm by myself? I don't know how that works. Do people want to know where I'm going and what I'm doing? It's lighthearted. But I want to ask you a question. Susan, what gives you hope? Mm, I knew you were going to spin that on me. Yeah, because have you ever answered this? What gives me hope? I have, actually. You asked me this early in the beginning when we started this journey. What gives me hope right now is the community that has stepped up around me to help me with this nonprofit. I have roped friends into this and I like have made comments about how you know my volunteers don't have to go down if the ship sinks and then my one friend said oh I'm on board I'm going down with you (laughs) and I'm like okay I have hope for our community because so many people outside of our community are stepping up and seeing how much love I have received and how much they can give to people like me. I've been blessed, like we just said. It's been a gift for me because Lorelai has connected me with so many people, but I also know that there are caregivers who do not have the connections, like you and I. Like, I mean, I know of so many caregivers who, the fact that you and I became very close very quickly isn't normal. And I'm hoping that we can help people with this nonprofit. I'm hoping that we can help people f- realize that they are not alone and that this is all hard. But yeah, right now what gives me hope is that people are helping me when I am tapped out and not able to help myself. So, yeah. I love that. <clears throat> Okay, well, this is Susan, and I am going to go make another cup of coffee because I already drank my coffee, and I can't have caffeine anymore, so I just sip decaf all day and pretend like it's doing something. (laughs) Secret. I love decaf coffee, too. This is Diane. Oh, I love this. I miss it. I have to hop on a call with the county for Sayla's one-year reassessment. So fun. Okay, talk to you later. Bye, guys. Come back sometime soon. I will. Come back. I will. Bye.